When I was writing the intro to this episode, I had the idea to reference the 1960s TV show The Jetsons. I wanted to look at the technology in that TV series and talk about what has become reality and what has not. That idea didn't really pan out, because when I researched that TV show with its flat screen TVs and tablet computers, drones and holograms, it's almost all here, in the real world. One thing that we don't have yet, aside from the ridiculous notion of quiet flying cars, is the robotic maid. A truly multi-purpose robot that can navigate the complex environments of our messy homes and solve tasks in new ways depending on how I have, for example, haphazardly left my dirty laundry on the floor. That robot also needs to be aware enough of us humans not to harm us while they clean our dishes and cook our food. I like to believe that within a decade, robots will take care of my household chores, transport me wherever and whenever I need to go anywhere, and help me with heavy lifting when I work in my garden. Still, this is only one of several potential scenarios of the future in the coming years. What trends do we see coming in robotics in the near future, and what trends will shape what our robotic future will look like in 2030? We have taken a look at an article by Boston Consulting Group, Robotics Outlook 2030, how intelligence and mobility will shape the future. Okay, David, so we've both read this article. This is one of two like main yeah, one of the two main tracks when it comes to automation. One is pure process automation that is um, very digital using AI to solve different tasks. Um, I mean, I, I come back to Dolly all the time, but in, in some sense, art is being collected, I guess, into new images, uh, which is fascinating to me. But then we have the other track, which is more physical, like interacting with robots or having robots do things that we previously couldn't do or in a more efficient way or, or whatever happens. And I think it's in the age of AI, it's easy to forget the robots and we don't want to do that. So that's the reason why I think this article is so important. My take on it is back in the olden times, pre-mass computing power, people's minds would have more naturally gone to those physical robots doing mechanical in the physical world and taking away human yeah, bright bright well. orange industrial robots in a in a factory yeah or even earlier than that kind of big mechanized machines that kind mm. of t- replace the arms and legs of people and donkeys you know th- that's what people would have thought of and then i think actually then in the in the last couple of decades our minds have more gone towards um purely digital mm. automation which is powered by a ai machine learning a lot of the time um and that is for example you know that's where we're seeing the most growth in terms of uh robotic process automation that is re- yeah. taking away those white collar office workers repetitive jobs of syncing databases and copy and pasting from excels and that that then drifts us away entirely away from the physical that is there is no physical manifestation of of that automation which actually is 
makes it far easier to scale because you don't have the right. pullback of having to have build things in the real world and all the complications that come with that. But where we, I think it is reasonable to divide um, automation into di- purely digital and physical automation. But when we look actually, imagine these 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 near future generations of physical robots. Mm. What the what makes them truly powerful is that they will have the digital um, it, right. it manifested inside of them, isn't it? So when we imagine that Jetsons um, robot made, yeah, it it will it, the, the the mechanics part nothing new there really. Yeah, things might have improved a little bit, but fundamentally the mechanical part isn't really what is game changing. It's the fact of the digital uh, automation, artificial intelligence inside of the robot, physical robot that makes it able to do all of these things. Right. Yeah, I think I think we're getting to a point now where the digital has become so developed that we actually can start to see real benefit from from looking again at all these physical things that we do. Uh, I think a good example of something that hasn't been forgotten that is in that intersections, like physical automation that is enabled by digital is the 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 ever present example at least a couple of years ago of of autonomous vehicles autonomous cars driving us around and and i i, I think we're seeing some buzz around that now again it's sort of dipped down in the 2020 and now it's come back uh to to so maybe we'll see stuff there as well but if we get back to the 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 boston consulting group article uh which will of course uh uh, link to in the description so they they've they have a couple i think seven different aspects i think we're going to go through about four uh and just talk about them a little bit aspects of of automation things that will happen or things that will enable these changes uh, and i think that can be uh, interesting for us to just discuss a little bit so the first first thing that they say is that it's going to be less about manufacturing and logistics and more about providing services, and this is something that is close to 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 our hearts, uh, being service designers and all. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's. I mean, it reminds of a, of some conversations we've had with some people working in the manufacturing logistics space. That's where. Uh, robots had the first impact was um in in factories um but as the as equipment becomes more uh ubiquitous can be in more places it opens up the possibilities for us to be there to be more interaction points with robots so that can mean in in your home when you're walking about town when you're getting on public transport so they the, the fact that they will be more ubiquitous that they will be all present that just means that it therefore opens up a lot more um touch points with robots and and this one is so easy for me to believe as well because every day my my vacuum cleaner goes on a little trip in our house without me doing anything and just cleans the whole house Uh, amazing can you imagine if someone had said that 10 years ago they would have come up with all these reasons why that wouldn't be possible. It's too cluttery and it's too difficult and it can't be done. And 
now that's kind of a trivial thing for a, for a robot to do now. So what is the next thing that is impossible when it comes to like home automation? Um, and you've got to look at what, why, why is this happening? Yeah. So, uh, but the BCG, uh, article say it comes down to, as you said, Jacob, con- changing consumer preferences mm-hmm. and social trends. There's also the third part that availability, the fact that these things yeah. are available, because if you, if it was too expensive to have the parts to have in your vacuum cleaner at home, it wouldn't be possible. But when you combine the technological availability with consumer preferences and social mm. trends, that then pushes uh, automation out from where its core has been in manufacturing, logistics, and more into wider use uh, in day-to-day services. And the examples they give uh, in this article are, for example, like meal delivery and personal right. hygiene and exercise. I think personal uh, hygiene is such a game changer for the, the, the healthcare space. I mean, you hope so. It, uh, it, like, the, the <laughs> there is such huge potential there um, to make a difference to people's lives and enable people to stay independently living to help yeah. people with disabilities or age-related health deterioration. Um, but I, so I have high hopes for this, but mm-hmm. I was, I was reading there's an organization who have broken down the individual steps that are required in order to, um, to successfully complete a domestic task. Mm, right. So I saw it, that. So, so even something as simple as you know, it's simple like um, cleaning the table after you've had breakfast. Mm. Simple domestic task, uh, or we could say exactly the same as um, washing someone's armpits in the shower. Right, right. On the cert, that is a. You'd have to say that those two things are, are, are for us humans, simple domestic or personal hygiene tasks. Right. But when when you think about what you're actually doing when you're wiping down a table after breakfast, you have to see what's on the table and and visually recognize what shouldn't be on the table: breadcrumbs, coffee, coffee stain, orange juice. You have to identify which of those things are able to be absorbed or right. have to be brushed off. Yeah, and then you have to have the um, you have to select the right rag or dishcloth to do the wiping and then you actually have to do the mechanized wipe and then you have to recognize when the job's done but i think also an organization actually taking the 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 trouble to do that they actually see the need for a complete breakdown of household tasks i think that's an indication that we're actually getting somewhere i also think that these initiatives uh, are, are going to be essential so that different companies don't start doing their own version of how tasks should be defined. Just having that. So I think that's one thing that needs to sort of happen for this servicification to, to really take hold is standards being adopted uh, globally so that we don't get a confusing mess of different ways to look at tasks because that's um 
Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, going to be. So just uh, to give them the, the credit, it's yeah. um, a team of researchers from Stanford University. Uh, they've got a great acronym here. It's almost like they did it on purpose. Uh, the acronym is Behavior, oh. which, which which stands for Benchmark for Everyday Household Activities in Virtual, Interactive, and Ecological Environments, aka Behavior. It's just a good, yeah. I mean, I like that acronym. Actually, I'm not not normally very very keen on the uh, the, the American uh, policy uh, acronym thing, but uh, this kind of makes sense. But I, I think just the example of, of a shower recognizing that there is a bar of soap on the floor and that you don't want to crush that and make a mess as a robot while cleaning it that's that's difficult. But it's with yeah, it's. It's fascinating. So in this future where robots do everything from helping people get dressed to helping them in the shower or cleaning their their table after breakfast, making them breakfast even, a challenge has emerged, which is what does success look like? And so this team of researchers from Stanford have um, released this behavior. And it's a catalog of physical and intellectual details of 100 everyday household tasks from washing dishes to cleaning floors. And it describes what those success criteria are. Imagine just cleaning a countertop. The robot not only has to perceive and understand what a countertop is, where to find it, that it needs cleaning, and the counter's physical dimensions, but also what tools and products are best used to clean it and how to coordinate its motions to get clean. The robot then has to determine the best course of action step by step needed to clean the counter. And it even requires a complex understanding of things humans think nothing of, such as what tools or materials are soakable and how to detect and declare a countertop clean. I think I think that's a wonderful initiative. What service that can be automated would you be excited for today? As in if it's technologically possible today? If just anything that you would like to have a service that to be automated and, and cheap, accessible. Well, I think... Uh, recycling com- comes to mind. At the moment, we have a very inefficient system. Mm. Um, we're asking individual homes to do the sorting of uh, rubbish into different categories themselves initially. If we were able to to have integrate into the system um, a sophisticated filtering and selection of different um, properties into different recycling like buckets. Different plastics, yeah. I wouldn't even need to care about doing the sorting my end. No. Um, so I think there's when we look at the need of, for us as a society to be using materials more wisely, recycling uh, a lot more raw material um, as much as reusing things in our home, that for me is going to be a, a hugely beneficial for, for mm. the planet and the economy. Right. Um, so that's one thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah. What about you? I guess that's that's more. Yeah, you're so altru- altruistic. <laughs> it's a my, mine. Big surprise. I'm gonna I'm gonna just look at my own my own life and and the thing that just pops out in my mind. The next thing that I would like taken care of is now that I don't have to cut my own grass, which I do, but it's not a big lawn, so that's fine, uh, and I don't have to clean my own floors anymore. I would love it. And this is a complicated one if uh, a robot could, could just take care of my clothes. Like, take it from the floor, ideally, put it in the washer, 
just do everything correct so everything sort of can manage through and, and I don't have to worry about the different programs and stuff like that. That'd be nice. Dry it and fold it and put it away. I would cry from relief of not having to do that. <laughs> I love the image of you that you still want to be able to throw it on the floor and it for it to pick it up from oh, the floor. Yeah. You don't want it to come and undress you as well, Jacob, and no, maybe get you no, dressed. No, I, I think I can manage that. But I, I, joking aside, when I'm 105, uh, I think I'm going to be happy to have a robot undress me so that I can stay <laughs> independent longer. Yeah, uh, oh, for sure. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean... But I mean, absolutely. For society, I think recycling would be much better. But a, a, there a more is... selfish one for, from yeah, from my point of view is, um, and I'm convinced this is this is. Uh, I wonder if it is ten years away or fifty years away, but I, I'm sure it's going to happen. Is uh, a home robot to do the cooking? Mm. I know some people. It would still be nice maybe to do cooking sometimes. I mean, some people do enjoy it. I don't particularly, but um, there's always a debate in my household who's cooking dinner tonight. Mm. And we've already simplified the process as much as possible in terms of we have these food baskets Delivery. that tell yeah. us what to do. But let's make a robot arm that can just cook this up for me. I'd love that. I think right. I might actually fall in love with that robot who was kind of preparing <laughs> meals for me. <laughs> I'm convinced it's 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 coming. That I mean, there are these um, uh, kitchens, uh, restaurants right. that where they have some simple tasks done. But I just don't see it as being that. It's a very it's a contained environment, or could mm. be a contained environment within a kitchen. Um, so it's controllable. You could right. just have the raw ingredients placed in the right spot and. I mean, you wouldn't even need a kitchen. You would just need a box full of stuff that you put ingredients into and you don't have to see it. You don't have to have a kitchen at that point. You yeah, can you just wouldn't have... need a kitchen. Yeah. I mean, that that would be... a le- You could imagine that, that in the future, that box is called a kitchen and then yeah. there are no longer kitchens in people's homes, but Absolutely. the legacy of... And people will say, oh, you know, people used to have to cook their own meals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's let's actually insert a little bit of altruism into both of these, both the the cleaning of clothes and 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 uh, the, the the kitchen uh, box is waste. Both of these scenarios would eliminate an extreme amount of, at least in the western part of the world, an extreme amount of food waste and an extreme amount of waste when it comes to water and detergent uh, you could optimize every cleaning cycle to be as efficient as possible and that would actually improve uh, our our ability to to become more sustainable uh, let's face it we're throwing away so much food if we just insert ingredients and they give us a dietary and by they the robots <laughs> they give us a dietarily um, positive uh, thing for us to eat and then we put in the waste and it actually takes that and makes new food from what can be salvaged and i guess does what it considers to be best for the rest of it um but i want to i want to move on with the article a little bit now uh so boston consulting group they also talk about the manufacturing space and and i don't want to dive deep into this but 
the trends that they are looking at is that there's going to be less availability of low-skilled workers. Uh, if you look at China, they are upskilling, they are becoming engineers, they are... Uh, <clears throat> We need some other way to produce goods in a accessible way. And then we have increasing yeah, uh, wages as well in both China and India now that is going to drive the, the development of robots. Because other, uh, either we develop manufacturing with robots locally, or we find a new place that is not China or India and do the whole cycle of... Uh, creating a manufacturing chain there um, which is wasteful at best hopefully these com the, these uh, these countries that would be next in line after china and india i don't know exactly where that would be um, will still benefit from the increase in production that can take place because of automation because these are in my mind, at least, relatively clear investments. Like if we have a manufacturing that a local manufacturing plant that can be sort of built, that can be transferred to to many regions. Um, and I mean, yeah, the 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 article also talks about the demand for personalized goods, and we've had just in time delivery, maybe. That can change through automation to be just-in-time production. Uh, that is my hope. Uh, I, I'm really excited about that. Like, just have big, dark machine halls with robots that create stuff with as little waste as possible and just spits out what we need. Um, it's it's something. Yeah. So that's something that they're talking about. I for sort I mean you look there's so much everywhere about the labor shortage at the moment yep. across so many industries and that that's not going to go away. We're probably going to be seeing declining uh working populations in China. Yep. Um and lots I, I of don't other think countries. probably I think it's already happening, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And um that means we're going to have to rethink how we're deploying the human labor that we have. And so ro robots are going to have to step in to fill. It's going to become necessary. Yeah. And what's that? Ne necessity is the mother of all invention. <sighs> and it, because this is needed, it's, it's, it, I, I can't see it not happening. Well, it either happens in order to maintain the right. production that we have had, or we're going to have to... Uh, except that we're not going to have a lot of the things that we've got used to having. So I certainly see that as a necessary. And then you mentioned the, the personalization. It, it, it's it's that you, uh, you can have in a production process many more variables so that, you know, it, it, you can, it, the, the food and beverage is, is a good example that you'd have personalized drinks that uh, have mm. the combinations of sugars and fruit according to your taste and your um, for your health um, and it will be no extra right now to do that <laughs> nu nuanced personalization for so that everyone can have their own type of coca-cola just impossible but in a highly roboticized production process that isn't which then links into a 
a, a, a kind of logistics chain that enables yeah. it to get to you, that is not a problem. So again, that is certainly uh, personalized. I can really see that. Some of the enablers for this that the Boston Consulting Group are are taking up is, of course, the cheaper sensors and the the the, the trend of AI and machine learning. So. To summarize what they say, AI will make it possible for robots to interact with us without programming and learn new tasks. So they would prob- like essentially be, be able to take commands from us and interpret that and then learn as they go in order to solve that. And that is not through sentience, that is through weighting different statistical uh, pro- like statistical models against each other uh, parameters, and I think that's really cool. Like just giving a robot a command, and then yeah, I like- was looking. I, I watched a documentary on um, gold mines in mm. um, in 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 North America, um, and I was watching the the guys working out at this gold mine. Um, and it was clips of them having to do some really physical heavy lifting, like, mm. like dragging big pipes along to connect, smashing bits to get of metal together, and then the machine broke down, so I had to go into the big grinder and start to clear things. And actually, my first thought when watching it was like, "Wow, like it will it would be so hard for a robot to go in and be able to do things." When you look at the variety right. of different movements these these human workers are doing. Just the movements, let alone the processing going on that, to inform the movements. Yeah. But the, the, if we can have these, as this article BCG talk about, these, these robots with the capabilities, to, with the ability to learn, mm. they will be able to watch a human and over time, maybe very quickly, um, learn these uh, yeah. processes and then you invest that time in, in them learning and then they will be able to take over and then they will actually probably even improve the processes because they'll have uh, a different way of thinking about yeah. it and we could actually they'll be doing it in ways that humans would never have even thought of right and uh, one of the things that is needed is the the combination of sheep sensors and processing power and algorithms that makes it possible for them to, to sort of learn in quotation mark learn things is we can work together with them without them murdering us and that i think is is a prerequisite for many of the things that we've been talking about today like a, a robotic kitchen assistant kitchen assistant would be wonderful unless it's dangerous so, yeah, I just had an image flash in my head then of how I'd feel about being in close proximity to a robot that had the capability of killing me. How relaxed would I feel in a, let's use the example of a kitchen, where I have a a, yeah. a chef chopping up something with something sharp and that there is no protective layer from them, there being some sort of malfunction, he... right the robot sees me as a piece of meat and starts carving me up. <laughs> I, 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 I think we're going to, ha- that's going to have to be accounted for. We, we, oh, even yeah. that example of, you know, your dream scenario where you've got a robot doing all your dressing, undressing and, and all the cleaning in between or these intimate personal hygiene robots. I mean, did you see that, um, 
the chess, uh, the the little boy, oh, eight yeah, nine year old boy playing chess, and yeah. then he he made a bit of a held onto the piece too long or let go of a piece and then picked up another one and the robot arm broke his finger. Yeah. The the boy was fine, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the boy but, was fine. But he yeah. was quite upset at the time. But how do you protect, how do you give people reassurance? I mean, the first question, yeah, how do you protect people? How do you make sure it doesn't happen? But more so, how do you give them reassurance? Yeah, the answer is definitely not what the organizers of that chess tournament did. And they said that, yeah, well, you have to be careful. That's that's not going to fly. No. That That is not the way to do it. You can't say, well, the boy should have removed his finger quicker. That that That's not acceptable. No. Uh, it has to be almost impossible for the machine to harm us. It, and I think that's doable. I think as we come back to it it's about sensing us and then but then we we spoke to uh, Matthias a while ago and he was talking about we also have to adapt the machines to the environment that they're in so in a kitchen household kitchen we don't want the machine to be as strong and fast as is possible through actuators no uh, we we want to dial that down and make sure that we can create value that isn't based on strength and speed. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's one thing, and 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 that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Is that we actually that's that's a parameter when designing and and constructing these machines. That like what is appropriate for the situation. I think if we just have that filter on, that's a step on the way. But I, this this part of the conversation was prompted by talking about the the the, the robot capabilities to learn, mm, and right. when they they have capabilities to learn, they need um, growth opportunities in terms of competence. So it's true. You, it, it goes against then if you have a very clear specific use, then you can define the requirements. But if you're actually wanting something to be able to learn and grow its competence. That's then when you maybe are having to build in greater capabilities than the specific task mm. it's starting with. And that's then where it starts to become a little bit... Dangerous. Uh, yeah, dangerous. Or potentially. Yeah. But maybe it, it'll solve itself by incrementalism. And, and we start with vacuum cleaners that aren't very heavy and they do their specific task. And then we add something on top of that, maybe mopping the floor. Uh, I think I've seen that. And, and we get capabilities. But yeah, you're definitely not... Yeah, that's that is an interesting aspect. Like growth, growth potential, and safety is is definitely mm. maybe not at odds with each other, but potentially. Um, I I love this article, um, and I I think this first part of the article is really interesting because it sort of gives us the outline of of a potential future uh, that that can be. Um, but they also go into and talk a little bit about three potential ways that robotics will develop depending on where we sort of end up uh, or what what <clears throat> depending on the factors basically of demand and technological readiness. Uh, and I think that's interesting. The, yeah. the, the scenarios come down to whether um, two axis, it's 
demand what 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 is the pull from the market what do people and industry want demand and then also technological readiness right and the baseline even if we just continue along the technological path we're on at the moment and demand just continues where it is there isn't a kind of huge change in demand then we are going to see more and more customized solutions that's the baseline then if if we see a switch in um if we see a, a step a steep a stepped change in terms of demand we're going to see one of two things come around and that depends on the technological readiness it could be that we have robots as a standard automation device if the technological readiness isn't so good or if we have an increase in demand and increased technological readiness, we then end up with Google Word World. That's how I understand that yeah. exhibit too. And I think it's a good image, if a bit like difficult to, to internalize. Yeah, it took me a while to work. Yeah, I'm not sure even if I've got it right. No, but I think you I think you are. I think we we have basically two scenarios when it comes to demand either we see a linear demand uh just basically we continue creating more and better vacuum cleaners and we it becomes more of a standardized standard thing to see by 2030 we mm -hmm. are comfortable with the 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 development as it is and we just see that continuing we get more of that and then if we invest heavily or not so heavily, we get also different scenarios. If if the demand is high, if people really want robots to to take over tasks in our daily lives as as we as we do, uh, Jacob and David, we can either have expensive. robots that are configured and and for for each, each individual use case i think yeah. that's the, the 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 key there it, it it really if if the main major players think google apple amazon if they don't see the value of creating mass market uh robots it's going to be very expensive but it might still be very powerful yeah and the but, examples they give for those standard automation devices are in-house delivery robots autonomous picking robots e-vehicle charging robots so very specific killer use cases where the robot is just doing that specific task but there's a great business case for it and the scalability yeah. and if technology makes a little bit of a leap which it is looking like it's doing to me uh, we get the the what they call the Google world, where essentially we have all-purpose robots taking care of any imaginable task by learning how to do it. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think it's a, it's a good scale. I think the the image is a little bit difficult. It's taken us up until now recording to interpret the mm. the image, but I think it's a the whole article is really worth reading uh, to get a sense of where we're going with automation and, and how 
how we are going to move in the next 30 years. And I really get the sense, and this is my, I've been, I've been talking about this a lot to, to both you and, and uh, everyone else that listens, is that I feel like the, the last 20 years, if we look back, there has been a, a major shift in how we live our lives due to smartphones and social media and stuff like that. I think the next five years are going to be comparable to the last 20 I think it's going to be a completely different world very, very soon. Any final thoughts on the BCG article? Um, just um, something we, we spoke about before. Yeah. This is a future. It's, a, it's the classic management consultants looking towards the future. Right. And we... I read an article at the weekend, which I shared with you, Jacob, which was about why are humans so bad at seeing the future? And this this prompted yeah. me thinking, you know, BCG are making predictions of 2030. And this article on Wired, which we'll share as well, is called Why Are Humans So Bad at Seeing the Future? And says people tend to make predictions whilst looking through their own narrow lens. The real vision lies in seeing connections. And this article goes back to a 500-page predictions made in 1980 about what life would be like in 50 years time i.e now Mm. and you can the article says you know if you squint your eyes you can just about see some of the things that were were predicted but you kind of have to do the interpretation to do it um but a lot of the predictions were just way off were completely wrong and this is something that's been repeated over and over again I, i actually listened to nestor um, famously back in, you know, 2020 was an awful year for predictions. Right. But at the end of, of 2019, all these excited, what we can expect in 2020, and no yeah. one predicted the um, the pandemic and the, therefore then the changes that came with that. And so we are very bad at making these predictions. The, the, the suggestion from this article on Wired is that actually if the best type of first of all accept that we can't make accurate predictions right but the best way to do it is to if it's when you combine mega trends so if you can Mm. see that there's there's this mega trend here and there's this mega trend here and they're separate but what what happens when you combine them right um that's a good way of of making predictions but that really the lesson is um the examples they give of um of two enormous forces and combine them is um, software as a service and protest movements or pandemics and entertainment. Right. So pull these two things together and what you get. So yeah, reflection, let's accept even the wonderful minds at BCG. um, (laughs) They are human. They will uh, be struggling to be accurate, but I guess what they're doing is combining these mega trends around customization looking at um increased artificial intelligence computing power cheap sensors yeah and sensors and then trying to say right what do these different potential scenarios look like um the other thing is uh, we often see that by 2030 i think more more will happen than we anticipate but it will be in leader leaders as well Right. So the the uh, the speed of development will increase, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the laggards will be keeping up as well. So I, this could be true for... Yeah, but I have a sense that we're going to see a lot of stuff coming out to the mass market. That's my... But that's me just 
hoping and and feeling like that's going to be the case. And I, I, I hope I'm going to be right. Well, I think you were right with the incremental. So look already right. how common it is now in, in Sweden, certainly, to have robot mowers and robot vacuum machines. Yeah. Well, nowhere, no one was really on the thinking they'd have those 10 years ago. And as you said, can if the robot um, mowing machine can actually, the next step, it starts clipping the hedges. Uh, the vacuum cleaners, the next thing it starts mopping the floors or picking up socks from the floor. That will be how we incrementally get there. And so, I, yeah. I, and, and then all it takes is the the big flip that suddenly the vacuum cleaner's peeling my uh, potatoes for me and we it steps into a whole new arena and can incrementally take off from there as well. I, I'm going to leave off with a... I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's Bill Gates, and it's definitely not a quote, but it's it's. I think it was Bill Gates that said, "Humans are notoriously bad at predicting the next two years uh, because of overestimating how much change there will be." But the same thing goes for ten years, where we're awful at predicting it because we underestimate how much change there is going to be. And I guess 2030 now is not in between. It's closer to 10 years. So if that is true, then this is what's in this article is nothing <laughs> compared to what we will actually see. But we uh, we will see. There is uh, it's eight years until we get the uh, the, the 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 numbers. Well, let's listen back in eight years' time, Jacob. Awesome. When we're on when we're on season. 15 of designing the robot revolution we yeah. can listen back to this and see how right were we awesome stuff thank you for listening to designing the robot revolution this is me jacob magnol and this is me david griffith jones <laughs>